Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. Friends, we have made it past the Labor Day holiday, and therefore, I can suspect that most of you have children that are back in school. I think most districts have probably started school or are starting school this week, and so we're going to kind of wrap up this back-to-school discussion. I also have quite a few guests lined up to um, coordinate with. I have to be completely honest and say that um, between three of the Barlows getting COVID this summer and Griffin's wisdom tooth surgery and then losing my babysitter the last two weeks of summer that I have been flying by the seat of my pants quite a bit here at Ashley Barlow Company. Um, And so while I had um, some plans shift on podcast topics and whatnot, um, I think we are getting back on track. And as with anything, um, that takes a little bit of time. And so um, I'm pretty excited for what we've got planned for the next few months. So stay tuned for some good programming here on the podcast. And in the meantime, today's um, topic is something that I had planned to publish for today, um, kind of in this back to school theme. And what we're talking about is behavior. But what I want to really be able to give you is kind of like, a 10-minute elevator speech on behavior because I think what happens so often is that we're in a meeting and we think we're talking about um, behavior, or pardon me, we think we're talking about something other than behavior. Like we think we're talking about inclusion. You know, the district says, um, well, we really think that we need to increase special education minutes. Or we might be talking about an intervention, like, well, they just really can't pay attention to um, their special education instruction. Um, Maybe it's Orton-Gillingham for reading or, you know, whatever it is. And so we get really lost in the weeds on the inclusion discussion or on the discussion about the particular intervention or the particular teaching strategy. But what we really should be focusing on is behavior. So in other words, the reason that we can't answer the um, pedagogical topic is because behavior is getting in the way. And so what we really should be addressing is behavior. And so, you know, kind of when your eyes open up to, well, we've got to prepare the child for learning. We've got to condition the child for learning. The child is so dysregulated that they aren't that learning is not accessible to them, um, then we can be talking about behavior. And so now my brain is kind of like keyed into this. And when I'm in meetings, oftentimes, you know, people will like really start going down this intervention track or down this inclusion track or placement track or whatever it is. And I'm like, hang on a second. How are we supporting this child behaviorally? How are we preparing this child for um, this 
placement for this classroom, for this, um, for specific activities, for specific interventions, and could that be the problem here? And so what I want to do is I want to be able to give you kind of behavior um, 101 so that you can be in a meeting and say, you know what, let's back up and talk about behavior. I think that could really be helpful. Okay, so the first thing that I do when I say let's talk about behavior is this. Um, I say, don't forget that when we're talking about behavior, we aren't just talking about problem behaviors. We're talking about what I like to call human behavior. So it might just be like the way that we're wired. It might be the way that we function. It might be what we need in order to be regulated. So we're talking about general regulation and we could also be talking about executive functioning. So we could be talking about, um, you know, just some really, really basic strategies and tools that a child needs to have access to in order to do well in school. So, okay, so we're talking about behavior and we're in a meeting and, you know, whether they're saying we want more special education minutes, which really feels like not exclusive, not inclusive and, and does in fact feel exclusive. Um, or we're talking about, um, you know, some specific intervention or tool or modification accommodation for the child. At this point in the meeting, you've said, okay, we're talking about behavior. Well, so you say, you know what, let's see if we can talk about behavior and, and we remind them of the human behavior thing. And so where I usually start is I usually say, you know, so like the keys to behavior are as follows. First of all, we have to think, figure out the function of the behavior. So kind of rule number one is that most people do not want to exhibit the behaviors that they're exhibiting. They don't want to um, be acting in a way with problem behaviors or with this kind of general dysregulation of um, their human behavior. And so, you know, what we need to do is we need to kind of dehumanize the behavior and we need to look at the function of it. Why are they behaving this way? Why is the child behaving this way? And so team, um, you know, what I've read about behaviors and what I've heard about behaviors is that there are basically four really common functions. And those are escape, attention, tangible item, and sensory. And there's this kind of cool fifth thing, which is a mixture of two or more of those different functions. And so the escape behavior is when a child is behaving in a certain way in order to avoid a task. And so maybe, you know, math is hard or maybe um, an environment is difficult because it's too loud or it's too bright or um, it's not loud enough or something like that. An attention function um, it looks like somebody trying to get attention positive or negative. Um, and so a child is reacting or acting in a certain way in order to gain or avoid the attention of a particular um, person or group of people. Um, the tangible item function looks like um, somebody that is doing something in order to get something. Um, and so that's kind of like the classic toddler having a meltdown in the grocery store because they want the sugary cereal. And then the sensory function is when a person is acting um, or reacting in a certain way in order to get um, either some kind of sensory input or to avoid some kind of sensory input. And so that might mean um, that they are crashing into things or pulling things, or it might mean that they are um, acting in a way to avoid a sensory stimulus. 
or stimuli. And then a mixed function might be um, a function that changes in the middle. So like a child that screams in a parking lot because um, they want, um, they don't want to get in their car seat, but then all of a sudden they get really good input from a sensory standpoint um, because things are echoing and that feels good in their bodies or, or in their ears somehow. And so now we have switched to a sensory um, thing. And of course, what we have to do now with these functions is we have to support them and we have to support them in two ways. We have to support them proactively and preemptively. And we also must address them with consistent reactive strategies because we know the behavior is going to happen. And so if we can figure out for the function how to allow the child access to tools and strategies to support that function preemptively and proactively before we start the activity, before we go to the environment, before the thing. If we can preemptively or proactively support the child, we're going to have better luck. We're going to have a better outcome. But then, of course, we know that behaviors are going to continue because nobody, no human, this is part of the human experience, no human is quote unquote perfect or is going to have 100% success with any particular strategy then we also need to have reactive strategies in place and we have to implement them consistently because we aren't going to be able to affect behavior unless um, the, the child knows and the supporters know um, that we are going to get the same outcome every time we behave in a certain way. The behavior is never going to change unless we are able to um, get the same reaction every single time. And so... What we need is preemptive and proactive strategies and then also kind of like the other half of the clamshell, um, if you will, if you kind of scoop up pre preemptive and proactive strategies with, um, with the bottom of one hand and then we cap it off with consistent reactive strategies, then we're going to completely encompass the behavior and we're going to address it. So, super easy. Step number one, we identify the behaviors. Lots of schools skip that. What are we talking about? Are we talking about like this antsiness when um, we're doing math? Are we talking about pulling hair or screaming or running out of the classroom? You know, and then of course, it, it, the, the strategy here is we take some ABC data and, and we're probably gonna be looking at an FBA. But, I, but when I do this in meetings, friends, I don't go that significantly. I'm like literally doing behavior 101, okay? So step one, we need to talk about the behaviors. So what behaviors are you seeing? And then step two is we need to figure out the functions. And of course, we're probably gonna be talking about an FBA, but for right now, um, you know, I think that we can suspect that the functions are blah, blah, blah. And then we develop those proactive and reactive strategies. And then of course we continue to tweak that until we figure out what is right. That is the key. That is behavior 101. Now, I just wanna give you a couple of examples so that um, you know that this is tried and true. So, okay, example number one. What about a kid and, and here, if you're doing this in a, in a meeting, you might say, so my friend's kid, 
or um, back in preschool, my kid, or my older child, you know, make some kind of relative statement so that you're kind of drawing a parallel because they really have to see how it works, right? Um, and so I'll give you two examples um, for Jack that I oftentimes use. So Jack has big, bold outbursts. Um, and so, um, you know, at school, they might look like um, dancing on the table, refusing to leave for lunch, um, you know, um, basically captivating people's um, attention. And the focus there, the function for Jack is attention. He craves attention in any way, shape, or form, positive or negative attention. And what it looks like at home is if, um, you know, he says he doesn't want to eat with us, that's fine because of Ritalin. Um, but he then will like throw stuff at us at the kitchen table. And it's like, dude, you just decided to eat by yourself. And so you could have eaten with us and gotten our attention, but no, you're going to stay in the TV room and watch a show or play with toys or read a book or whatever. So stop throwing shit at us, right? Um, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to get our attention because now we're eating and his body doesn't like that. <clears throat> so now we've identified, so I've told you what it looks like at home and I've told you what it looks like at school. Let's just focus on school for a second. What works is if you give him proactive, big, intense attention, not just like, hey, how was your day, blah, blah, blah. And with Jack, that's tricky because he has social anxiety. So if you ask him unscripted things right now with social anxiety, it makes it worse. And so I'd have to explain that, right? And so um, maybe um, something, but he likes these intense attention things and they can be negative. It can be non-preferred things. So we capitalize on it. Jack does really, really well with one-on-one -on -one hard schoolwork. So when he gets to school or before he exhibits this attention-seeking thing, give him um, a hard school task that requires one-on-one -on -one support. Make him read a 15-minute book and he gets the teacher and he's working hard with the teacher and the teacher's given him 100% of his or her attention and he's, he's working hard, it's intense. Then he would be fine with an activity that's whole group where he's not getting a bunch of the behavior. So give him big proactive attention. Now you're still gonna have times when um, he is exhibiting this attention-seeking behavior. And so what are some reactive strategies? Well, you know, in his case, what works for him is um, kind of like a three-step um, process where first you have a discussion with him so he gets a little bit of attention and you move away from it. Then um, if that doesn't work, he goes to a timeout or, you know, a time to cool down so that he can kind of chill. And the key to that is that he does that with no attention from the adult. So the adult is there to keep him safe and the adult consistently reminds him that he needs to calm down on his own um, and that he's not going to get their attention. And then later you go back to teaching him about how to function independently, but you don't do that in the moment, right? So we're working on addressing that attention function proactively and preemptively.
and it works. It absolutely works. I'm going to give you one example of how that looked in real life, and then we will be at the end of our 15 minutes, which is what I wanted to do. So one time I came home and our summer sitter um, like literally met me at the top of, her, of the driveway and said, help me. And I was like, oh my gosh, is Jack at the top of the magnolia tree? Is he on the roof? What is happening? Does he have a knife? And um, so I got out of the car and I was like, hey, what's going on? And she said, Jack has the hose and he's squirting me. And I'm like, okay, well, turn off the hose. Um, and I said, well, what, um, actually I didn't say anything to her. I walked over towards the front porch and I said to Jack, by the way, Jack um, likes to play with the hose. It's something that will keep him engaged, like truly engaged, not entertained. He does so much when he is playing with a hose. So we have this little kind of area set up where I've got cups and buckets and um, I don't know, just stuff as Jack calls it that he likes to do with the hose. And so I walked over towards the area and I said, um, hey buddy, don't squirt me while I'm walking over. Well, of course he squirted me and I had on my work clothes, you know, okay, well, I'm a little bit wet now. Um, and so I turned off the hose because he squirted me. That is a consistent reactive strategy that he gets. And I said, hey, you know that you can't squirt grownups. If you're playing with the hose, you can squirt in this direction or that direction um, and grownups don't like it. Do you want to play with me? And he said, yes, I want for you to play with the hose with me. And I said, okay, please give me five minutes so I can talk to the babysitter. And then I'm going to change my clothes and I will be right back out. That is a reactive strategy that he gets quite often. And he said, okay. And I said, if I turn the hose back on and you squirt, then you lose it for good. And we're moving on to something else. He said, okay. And it totally worked. I talked to the babysitter for the promised five minutes. I went up and I changed my clothes in the promised amount of time. I came down and I played with him for 10 minutes. He got my attention. He got what he wanted, but he did it on a much more respectful and, um, and, uh, behaviorally, um, appropriate way. So we addressed the problem behavior and by looking at the function, what he wanted was attention. And then I said to the babysitter the next day, hey, we could try to fade this behavior by giving him the attention before things like that, because we know he's going to squirt with the hose. And so before you give him the hose, yeah, sure, you can do the hose, which is a preferred task. But what he needs is he needs really structured stuff first. So first, you're going to um, do your sight words and you're going to do five math problems. And then he's got your attention and it's hard and you're helping him and he's getting this really intense attention. And that is the proactive attention that he needs so that he's not squirting with you with the hose because all he's looking for is a big reaction. He can get a big reaction from you by doing schoolwork instead of by screaming because he squirted you with the hose. And she was like, okay, I totally understand. And it worked from that point forward. So that is behavior 101 in slightly more than 15 minutes. <laughs> I hope that is helpful to you. I like to give you stuff that you can do actually in your meetings that you can apply. Um, and so if you are looking for more on behavior, um, the two that have done very well uh, consistently on the podcast are the interview with Dr. Salandi Forte and the interview with Dr. Rachel Schwartz. So you might check out those prior episodes. I will see you next week, same time, same place.